0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. That was like one of the best Thanksgivings I've ever had had in my life. I mean, I just leaned into it the whole way, you know, not just a little bit of Thanksgiving. And people say, well, did you have any pie? I mean, I ate a, and I know it's starting to show, but I had a whole pumpkin pie to myself And it was just amazing. It was just one of those great things, having football on, enjoying the day. I hope you guys found something to be thankful for. I know that it's really difficult sometimes to find something to be thankful about. And and then you put family together. Oh my goodness, if you actually dared, thank you so much, Scott. If you dared to put family together, then you probably had that kind of, you know, dynamic at play on, you know, well, they like their stuffing this way and they don't want to watch the football game and, you know, whoever they are and, you know, you have that. But, you know, when I was looking for something to be thankful about, um, I was was looking for peace. I was looking for some place where, you know, people were like, just coming together and looking over the differences that they had. And, and, and it was a moment that really affected me, and I wanted you to feel this moment as well, when I saw these two individuals just celebrating Thanksgiving together. Let's watch. did get excited about that. I'm serious. Not one of you popped up from your seats. I'm serious. When I saw that, I thought that was the best thing in the world. I was told that some of you would get offended. And I said, those people don't come to Crosstown, do they? They do not come to Crosstown. Not listen to these sermons. Oh, it is great. <laughs> it is great to see all of you. But I do get excited when I see people happy. And we have to make that decision to do that. You know, being drawn from the well series, we've been talking about becoming a learner, and that's somebody who is ready and open to receive life-changing truth and to be conformed into the likeness of Christ. That's what, what it is to be a learner, somebody that's willing to learn from God and be transformed into Christ. But today we're gonna be talking about being a leader, one who lives with the courage and determination to help bring about God's best in all situations and in others. Now, I know we can we test for somebody being a leader in a lot of different ways. You know, we'll find out if you're an A-type personality, you take your fancy little disc test, you can, you can do your Enneagram, you can do your Myers-Briggs, all kinds of different things that you can do. But it really comes down to where you're leading a person, where you're taking, somebody can be a bully and classify themselves as a leader. But what I love about this definition is is the idea of, of having courage and determination to help bring about the best in other people. That's a real leader. It's somebody that's trying to help other people become exactly what God called them to be. So we're not only being drawn from the well of adversity and difficulty in the past, to experience God's comfort, which we have experienced God's comfort, but we're also being drawn to lead other people to that comfort. It's, see, it's not enough for me just to have a great Thanksgiving for myself and uh, now be kind of relaxed and enjoying life, but God wants me to take that sense of peace and to begin to lead other people into that peace as well. And I, I don't think we can overestimate the value of a leader ability to bring peace into a difficult moment. Whether it's um, the commercial emphasis on Thanksgiving or Black Friday or Cyber Monday, isn't it funny that generations from now, they're going to think it's really funny that it's called Black Friday when it really doesn't take place on Friday and it lasts for like two weeks like it has now. All of a sudden there's gonna be a generation that's gonna grow up and say, Mom, Dad, why do we call it Black Friday? Because we will remember those days. But in all the hype that's going on around Christmas right now, there are excellent moments for us to lead with peace. And after hearing the hostile reception that Jesus received in Jerusalem, and then the foretelling of future hostilities, that were going to take place, the disciples were in panic. I mean, they were looking at what was going on around them, what Jesus was communicating to them, and they they kind of fell into this deep panic. And Jesus senses this panic that they have. So he gives them peace. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, I always visualize this moment with Jesus giving them peace as kind of a a spiritual peace moment. Um, Kind of like what I would call, and I'm from the 70s, this was kind of like a nitrous oxide moment or a laughing gas moment, where Jesus gave them a little bit of laughing gas through some work of the Holy Spirit and and that God just kind of allowed them to just get giddy for a little bit and they started laughing because Jesus gave them peace. Now, that could have happened. It it really could have happened that through the Spirit of God, and all peace comes through the Spirit of God, that God could have supernaturally have done something in that moment where they felt peace. Um, I have had moments like that where I've been in situations where I've had this sense of peace that was other than what I would normally think I would experience. But it also could have been a peace that was conveyed to them through leadership. See, like an artesian well of confidence springing up, it begins when hope and thanksgiving and love and we've learned about Christ begins to spring up in us, that begins to refresh the people that are around us, it begins to give them hope, begins to give them peace. So Jesus could have gone magically, and I don't I shouldn't say magically, he could have gone supernaturally and just spoke peace over their lives, but we know that that would have only lasted for a moment until the next difficulty came along or he may have been communicating to them something about leadership, something about confidence to them that gave them peace. It was Jesus' confidence of knowing the Father that gave them peace. It was Jesus' commitment to the word of God that gave them peace. It was Jesus' clarity of his expectation of the world that gave them peace. It's like when you're around somebody that is re- really good at fishing. Uh, matter of fact, I had one of these moments, and I, I I'd never had a moment like this before, So, um, but I am going to toot my horn just for a little bit here, and so my sister was over at uh, the house for Thanksgiving, and uh, me and her used to fish with my dad years ago uh, before he went to be with the Lord, but we did it growing up as, as kids, and and so, uh, in the middle of all the Thanksgiving stuff going on and football games and pie and all that, um, I just kind of tapped on her shoulder and I said to her, um, hey, you want to go fishing for a bit? And so, uh, normally that's a big rigmarole. Put up a boat, do all that stuff, get, you know, get your bait and all that. But I already have it designed that I just walked down my neighbor's dock. I have these little bags of four, with only four shrimp in them. I grab three rods and we walked out the garage quietly. And we walked down. In just a matter of five minutes, we're on our neighbor's dock. And, uh, and I'm telling you as we're going, we're walking. I said, okay, so now here you need to stop talking. No, stop talking, okay? It's not the first time my sister heard that from me. But this was just kind of like, could you, okay, now we got. And then I'm like, okay, now we got to tiptoe just really quiet. And don't let your shadow land on the water. So stay low. So we're, we're doing all this. It, it would have been a great, like, if I was punking her or something. But I, I had to do all this. I said, so here, we're going to put the bait on here. So I said, just put it on like that. We walk up. And then I said, okay. And you're going to cast it right there. And so she casts it right there. Within five, less than five minutes, she has, like, a 32-inch redfish on the end of her line. It's the biggest fish she's ever caught in her life. And, 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 and we were like, we're done. I mean, you don't, we don't have to stay out there any longer. Let's just go home and get some more pie. So we just packed up, and we went back and got some more pie. And, and, and she put it on Facebook about how it happened, and it sounded so unbelievable. What was it? It wasn't that I had some magic over the fish, it wasn't that I'm a fish whisperer or anything like that. It's just that through my own personal experiences, I had an understanding of something and how it needed to be done, and I presented that knowledge to somebody else. And I led that person into a, a, a moment of peace, a moment of success. And by taking my knowledge and using it for them, it was, it was her greatest Thanksgiving. It's the biggest fish she's ever caught in her life. See, Jesus had confidence of the Father. And that's, that speaks to people. Jesus had a commitment to the Word of God. And he knew the Word of God. And that made these, these guys rest a little bit. Jesus had clarity about what was going to go on in the world, and, and, and that helped the disciples kind of power down their anxiety and come into this place of peace. So here's the rule of flow in the story. His peace he gave. That's what it says in the story. His peace he gave. That's the rule that we're going to use today because your peace you give That's that's the rule of flow. What you have, your peace, you give. And so, what I'm gonna challenge you today is is what are you giving to other people? Because it's what you have is what you give. Jesus gave, he said, my peace I give to you. Well, Jesus must have had peace in order to give peace. Well, it could also be phrased this way. Your panic, you can give also. Your anxiety, I give to thee. My fear, I give to you. I mean, Jesus could have said any of those. My doubt, it is now yours. See, we have the power in moments of leadership to give what we have to somebody else. So we need to investigate what it is that we have. Are we walking in peace? Are we walking in confidence with the Father? Confidence in the word of God? Confidence in what's going to happen in the world around us and an understanding of of our days? Because when we do what you have, you begin to speak into other people's lives. And as I saw this, it it really made me think about, what do I give my family? I mean, what do I give? Am I the person, and I have been, am I the person in the family that always gives an argument? Always gives a snarky answer? Always gives uh, sarcasm? I mean, always a, a smart butt? I mean, am I always that person? Are you that person in your family? I've seen some people looking around at the person sitting next to them. So, uh, but what is it that you give to your family? Let me ask you this, dads, are you the chaos giver in your family? I mean, I, I see it so much, and I, I'm talking to men because I am one, and, and, and the thing is, is I see a lot of moms and mothers and wives trying to uh, bring sense of order and, and structure to a family and and peace to a family, and then Dad comes in and, and and Dad just kind of just throws everything into chaos. His attitude, his lack of leadership, and but it's really it's not a lack of leadership because he is leading. It's what he's, he's, what he's got to give is what they get. And so I think the challenge for us is during this season when it's difficult, when it's difficult with um, politics, and it's difficult with COVID, and it's difficult with the season. I mean, you remember Christmas was hard already. I mean, it was already something that you really had to get geared up for, that in the middle of it, you've gotta figure out what do you you got to give? Because those little flashy lights, they got nothing to give. I mean, they're doing their best out there on the front lawn, you know, just doing what they do. You know, they're just up there and, but that's it, that's all they got. They, they got a little bit of flesh. But it's moms and dads, it's husbands and wives, it's individuals that the rule of, of order here is that what you've got is what you give. And so think about work. I hate working where I work. Why do you hate working where you Well, everybody gossips. Everybody's just backstabbing everybody else. It's like, okay, um, so what do you give into that situation? you may find out that you're part of the gossip crowd. I'm actually gonna do this. I've decided I'm gonna do this. Me and my wife have found this little place on the, on the back deck that we just like to sit and watch the birds come, and, and um, I'm gonna put a blue tape around it. Yes, I am going to do this. I'm gonna put a blue tape, and we're gonna call that the no gossip zone. That when we're in there with our cup of coffee, we're not gonna talk about anybody. We're not gonna talk about church, We're not gonna talk about nothing other than birds and God and how beautiful she looks in the morning and all that stuff. But see, you have to make a determination of what other people are getting from you, you know? And so Jesus says, what I have, I give to you. Well, that's great. The question is, is what do you got? How is your family? Are you the chaos bringer to your family? Are you the one that spews doubt into your family or sarcasm or gossip, you know? um, Just a thought. Let me read to you through a story displaying leadership by bringing peace into a difficult situation. Paul had been arrested for preaching Jesus and was on a ship uh, on the Mediterranean. He was heading to Rome and the weather got really bad and just, you know, just was destroying the ship, and everybody was sick and throwing up. And the story is recounted to us by Luke, Paul's companion. In Acts twenty-seven thirteen. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor, lifted the anchor, and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But then a tempestuous wind, called the Northeaster, struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind... We gave way to it and were driven along. Now, that is a social commentary right there. We gave way to the wind and were driven along. I mean, it, doesn't that kind of how you feel today a little bit? Is that like your life is not your own or in your own power, that there are so many things going on in the world around you that... Um, just kind of drive you in a direction that you particularly don't want to go and, and we have given way to it. And there are some things that, that we give way to. We give way to taxes, we give, give way to, to wars, we give way to viruses, we give way to um, issues that are going on in our houses, and our families, with our children. There's this constant wind that was gentle at one time and then all of a sudden turns into this nor'easter and begins to be tempestuous in our lives and, and, and we give way to this in our lives. It's a tough place to be. And whether they were sailors, or um, soldiers, or slaves, or apostles. They all gave way to the events. See, it wasn't, this is not going to be a story where the Apostle Paul doesn't give way to the wind. You know, that's the kind of Christianity that we hear preached most of the time, is that, well, what happens for a Christian is there is no wind. And the seas are always calm. And and, and that's not true at all. The Apostle Paul, there's nothing here that says that the Apostle Paul isn't throwing up his his esophagus um, on the side of the ship in the middle of the storm. There's nothing here that's saying that the Apostle Paul was not included with those who were giving way to the wind. But it's there in the middle of an adversity that a leader has to rise up within the adversity. See, that's what your family needs. Your family needs a leader to rise up in the middle of it. Your workplace needs somebody that will rise up in the middle of the difficulty of the job situation and rise up and become a leader in that moment. And that's what we're going to see the Apostle Paul do. Paul doesn't live an inoculated life that's free of viruses and free of taxes and free of riots and free of all the adversities and free of divorce and free of uh, raising children and all the other, I don't know why I put raising children and all those other adversities together. But they, you know, if you've been there, you know what it's, they can kind of, They can seem like a war, can it? Or a virus sometimes. Ooh, that wasn't right. That wasn't right. Especially that little girl over there. She's absolutely treasure. I'm sure she gives you no trouble at all. That's right. So, the Apostle Paul is in the middle of it, but that's what a leader is. is somebody who rises up in the midst of adversity. And running under the lee of a small island called Claudia... We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's, uh, the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on Cerdas, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Now, this Cerdas is not just a little part here. This is not just... Geography, and there's the, how you pronounce it there. And it's Syrtis is a, a, a low, shallow shawl so that has um, coral, that has rock, that you can't see. But when your ship is driven on it, all the sailors that ever landed on Syrtis, they all died of starvation and from thirst. It's because nobody could get to them, and they couldn't get off of it. So if you were driven into this one particular area, it's pretty much with a death sentence. And a lot of times when we come into adversity, we begin to imagine the worst things happening to us. Don't we? I mean, don't we just imagine the worst? We think about what could happen in our country or in our family or to our children or our grandchildren, and we just imagine the worst. And this is what's happening on this ship, is everybody's imagining the worst things that could happen take place. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, many days, and no small tempest laid on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned wow i mean they just got worn down they just got tired of the fatigue and the difficulty and uh, and the hardship it happens it happens to a marriage doesn't it i mean it just gets worn down It's. i mean me and susan we hosted people and 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 3 days before Thanksgiving, it's, I'm on go time. I mean, it's time for me to put up inflatables all over the yard. I'm putting up lights all over the yard. My back's hurting, and, and, and um, I'm running to go get uh, chestnuts, and Susan's getting turkey, and we're putting all this together, and there's all these questions. You think we should eat outside or inside? You think we should do this or that? you think we, I'm sorry, I should not be doing that voice, should I? Was I doing that voice? It was just a little bit there. I'll pull that back. (laughs) Um, But we get into this all that by the time Thanksgiving's over, I don't think we were talking to each other. Um, it, It was just like what, normally me and Susan were. We're just like I mean, this is really how we live. We. You know, I go into the kitchen, and I'll drape my hand on her back and tell her I love her, and we'll get our cups of coffee, and we'll clink them every morning together and tell each other. I know it sounds sickening to you, but it's exactly how I live but you know what? Just a little tempest, all of it just, just dried up immediately. It all just went, went away. Normally when we sleep, we, we kind of lock this finger with this finger, and we're in bed together, and our hands are together the whole time. And, and it's a, But we were like, I was facing that way, she was facing that way. And, you know, you've been there as well. But there are times when the tempest, when hope, and all that stuff just seems to fade away that someone needs to speak peace into the situation. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Other than the point that I, that I talked about, the rule of, your peace, you give, or what you have, you give. This would be the second point that I really hope you walk out of here with. There is no leadership without standing up. It said, Paul stood up among them. There is no leadership if you are not standing up for something. Moms... If you think your kids are just gonna get it because you're a Christian, and they get to do what they do because they're teenagers, that is not leadership. Leadership requires the changing of posture. It requires standing up for what you believe to be right, what you believe to be true. Husbands, you know, so many of us are are like, maybe from my generation particularly, is like we're male. So we're we're stronger. I don't know that gal in Mandalorian. I think she could kick my butt. Matter of fact, I think half of the ladies in here could kick my butt. But I mean, but I was raised with a generation. If you were a man, you were what a leader. If you were a woman, you weren't a leader. Well, that's all bogus. Okay, that was that. That's 1950s chauvinism. That's not that's not in the Bible. That's that's just. That was just us that made that stuff up. And we had a good run. That was, that was, those were awesome days. But now equality's here. But you know what, there is no leadership if you don't stand up. So dad, if you're not standing up for Christ, if you're not, if you're not standing up even to your children, if you're not standing up to adversity, if you're not standing up for what you believe, just because you are a dude does not make you a leader, you know? And, and this is so important. This is a time when, when we need to stand up and provide leadership so that other people can experience the same peace and comfort that we have experienced. Paul's not trying to be nasty here when he talks about, I told you we shouldn't have gone anywhere because nobody wants that guy around, right? You know, especially when it all goes bad, you know. what well, Paul was saying, listen, I have some credibility. I do have some ability to understand what's going on. I am trustworthy. And, and so can I just say to this, if you're, in a, if you're a person in a family where you abdicated your, your leadership, there may take a little bit of time for you to restore your credibility. And Paul had already given his credibility to show that he could stand up and be a leader. You just can't stand up and do it, but you gotta show yourself credible. Paul continues and he says, yet now I urge you to take heart. I urge you to take heart. I tell you, if every child got put to bed every night by a mom or a dad, speaking this kind of courage over their children, our children would be ready to face the day. Do you know last month that more Japanese people committed suicide than have died as a result of COVID in their country over a whole year. They've got a national dilemma of suicide going on. Why, is it, is it genetic? No, no. They need somebody to stand up and speak peace into their lives. And I believe if we had moms and dads that We're willing to stand up, husbands and wives, single parents. uh, If you're single, just speaking, standing up and speaking peace. Take courage to other people. You may be saving somebody's life by telling them to have courage. Paul stands up, I urge you to take courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong, and whom I worship. See, everybody knows what Paul's about. Does everybody know what you are about? And he said to me, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. Say, leadership speaks to the heart when the head is just not listening. And that's what the Apostle Paul does. I do love this particular part of the story. And you may think I'm weird for finding this, but it really it really was important. Out of that whole phrase that you're seeing right now, that whole verse, the part that I thought was most amazing was the phrase, some island. And that spoke to me about leadership. See, some island, That means Paul didn't know what island they were going to. And here's the point that came from that, is that you don't have to know everything to be a great leader. Paul didn't even know where the ship was gonna land. You know what's interesting? God didn't tell him. God told him some other essential pieces of the story, but God felt like, no, you don't need to know what island you're gonna land on. You're gonna land on some island. I can imagine that angel up there like, because most of the time the angels are a little bit more specific, and I've been told that you're gonna land on, what is it, some island. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it just seems kind of funny to come from God, like like he doesn't know the answer to it. It was like, no, leadership doesn't need to have all the specifics, and if you're waiting to lead your family, waiting to lead your children, waiting to lead in your community or your workplace until you have all the facts, then you'll never stand up and lead when it needs to happen. Because leadership is really needed most when people don't have answers. That's when we need leadership. If we already had the answers, we could just say, bump you, I don't need you, I can do this all on my own. But there's Paul standing up in the midst of it. Paul speaks peace into the situation the same way Jesus did. See that same thing? Remember he talked about the God whom I belong to has spoken to me? Confidence of knowing the Father. Commitment to the word of God. God spoke this to me. Clarity in his expectation of the world. We are going to sink. We are going to run aground. He understood that. I love that one phrase that reflects the effectiveness of peace-giving leadership. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Now, this is theologically amazing. Is that, It says, God has granted you these other people, these soldiers and these sailors that are with you, and these slaves. That means it is possible that these other people would have died in the sinking of the ship if it was not for the presence of the Apostle Paul being there in his leadership. I think that's profound. You mean, you think God would just let this person die? Oh, yeah. That's what humans do, we're birthed and then we die. I think the specifics on our death is not as important to God as we may think, but our souls are. But the apostle Paul says, Paul, because you're here, mom, because you're here, dad, because you stood up, I'm going to grant you the souls of your children. You find me children that are running amok, running astray, not understanding their, their, even their basic function of gender. It's not because they're evil. It's not because they're bad people. It's not like, what's wrong with kids today? It's because someplace mom and dad did not stand up with the truth. We don't have a crop of bad kids, but we may have a dearth of of good leadership in the family or in a marriage or in our community where we stand up for what we know to be true and to be right. And I love it though that God has granted you your leadership saves other people's lives. When I hold little baby Ireland in my hands, my grandbaby, when I walk with my grandson Polly or Jojo or Christopher, when I hold their hands, when I'm playing shoot 'em up games or playing kickball or whatever it is that we play and we're running around the yard or we're sitting and we're talking, I don't see it as just being a grandparent. I see it as a leader saving their lives. Some of you are here today because some grandmother somewhere fought for your life, okay? See, good leadership saves people's lives. And I know that you may want your children to be saved and your family to be saved. Well, God says, all right then, so do I. So stand up. They're not going to get it v- via osmosis. So how are the people sailing with you? How are they doing? Are they good to have you on board? Or are you just a pain in the butt? And I've been the pain in the butt a lot. You know, I'm, I, I, <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. There are times I walk out of the room and all of a sudden the girls will start talking and I and I'll know they're talking about me. Hey, do you remember when Dad wouldn't let us listen to our um, iPods, and he wouldn't let us watch uh, Titanic because there was sex in a Studebaker? And uh, you know, remember when he wouldn't let us do all his, And I'll hear them talking about it. And but you know what? I used to get offended about it. It's like, wow, I screwed up everybody's life. And it's like, no, they all married well. They're all raising their children in the ways of the Lord. It's like. Yeah, maybe I didn't watch Titanic with them. But I stood up when it was my time. Not because I'm special, but because I know who my Heavenly Father is. I committed to the word of God. And I have pretty good clarity on what's going on in the world around me. And my expectation. And every one of us here can have all that. Every one of us. And every one of our ships need it. Every one of our ships need it. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke bread and began to eat. And they were encouraged and ate some food themselves. Wow. See, that's leadership. That's leadership. We were in all 276 persons in a ship. See, Thanksgiving occurred in the middle of adversity. 276 diverse people, different gods, different religions, different nations, different creeds, different colors, different social status, all down on on a knee, giving thanks to God as the bread was broken. Why? Because one man in the midst of the adversity decided to lead and to give the peace of God. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground, the, the bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken by the surf. And then the centurion ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Paul didn't stop the ship from sinking, Paul didn't. Turned the venture into profit. Paul just brought peace, and that was good enough. I mean, they, they were so troubled that said they threw their cargo themselves over the side. See, there was a point when profit doesn't matter anymore. I don't care if I lose the house. I don't care if I lose the car. I don't care if the, that deal goes through. I mean, that the adversity was so hard. It's like, I don't care about those things anymore. Well, what do you need? I need peace. And Paul was the one that was able to do it. So this verse from your story speaks how your family, your marriage, your, your culture will go. Peace I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. So what does it look like? As we move into this moment of expressions, in the middle of adversity, your adversity, you can speak peace. In the middle of your hardship, you can hear from God. In the middle of your difficulties, you can still give thanks. In the middle of your hardships, If you stand up, you can save lives. So how do we do it? Confidence of knowing the Father. Confidence in the word of God. And clarity in his expectation of what the world can give us. God does not comfort us just for us to be able to sit on the back porch and watch the birds land. He comforts us so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we ourselves have been given. There are people out there over the, between now and the end of the year, which is like 33 days left, that are desperate, desperate for peace. You say, where are you gonna get it? You know, is there anything I can sprinkle over them? It's like, the world needs us to stand up and to speak peace, the peace that we already have with God. Your, your kids need you to do that. Dads, I'm not picking on you because you're dad, but yes, I am. Because I think dads are, um, I th- they're, they're awesome. They're absolutely awesome. Mom can say a gazillion things, but Dad can walk into the room with one word of peace, one word of affirmation, one word of truth, and all the kids gobble it up. It's amazing. I don't know how it got made like that, but it just seems to do that. Dad can come into the room and... No, I can't say that. There's too many kids here. Would you people stop bringing your kids to church? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> But it's funny, I have to clean up my language because uh, I should probably do it anyway. But you have this power. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much, the Lord God, that in any ship, any storm, any loss, any difficulty, that if we're willing to stand for what we believe, to stand up in it, God, you will grant us the souls of those who are traveling with us. God, you will give us empowerment. And maybe the storm will not stop, and maybe the ship will still sink, but in the midst of it, moms and dads and children alike, teenagers and singles, workplaces can be transformed by the word of peace, the leadership of peace being given into their lives. So Father, first we do business with you because our credibility for some of us has been really been called into question. We haven't been looking like God followers, God trusters. So today, God, I pray that you forgive me for my wanderings my vulgarity, my, my, my doubt, God, my selfishness as a leader. Lord God, today I, I thank you for loving me so much, forgiving me so much, giving me peace so much. So since that's now what I have, love and forgiveness and peace is what I give to Thee. Father, help each and every one of us be so filled with You and then have the courage to stand up and lead with peace. Let me invite you to come, receive communion just like the soldiers, the slaves, the sailors all did. They bowed their knee to God and experienced the salvation of the Lord.